Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. This morning, we are going to conclude our Giving on Purpose series, and I thank you for just committing to to showing up and applying and listening and and giving on purpose, right? You know the power of intentional giving. We talked about giving of our of our time, and then last week we talked about giving of our talent, and then today we're going to talk about the giving of our treasure. You know the the giving of our finances. You know our treasure. You know, just like giving of our time and giving of our talent, it requires some level of sacrifice, right? You know, um, we, we communicated, you know, with time, we only have 24 hours in a day and what we do with that time and, you know, we can't, we can't get any more. You know, what we do with our talents, it requires sacrifice, discipline, all of those things to use those gifts. And, and using of our treasure is exactly the same. It requires intentional sacrifice. Um, I, I know that in giving, I've never given and said, wow, that cost me nothing. You know, I remember, uh, <laughs> anybody ever remember working for minimum wage where you were calculating how much stuff costs based on how many hours you had to work just to eat that hamburger? I'm the only one. Like, it's like, man, you know, that cost me two and a half hours of my life to enjoy that. Or, you know, I, I used to do that. And, you know, I tend to do that every now and then. And, you know, uh, we, we have to be mindful that, you know, our money, what we, what we earn requires time and sacrifice. So what we spend that on, what we give that towards, uh, most of the time it's important, right? It's important to us. But this morning we, we always want to continue to ask the question, not just what's important to us, but what is important to God? What is the focus? What is the, you know, what is the intentionalness that we have to take in, in the realm of our treasure, of our giving, of our finances? But when we give on purpose, this is something we can feel and see tangibly, right? Uh, every time you pay for a meal and they bring you that receipt, you know what you're spending, right? And then you're figuring up the tip and all of those things. And uh, with good old inflation, everything is expensive now. Um, you know, but we see it tangibly. We feel it. We, we, we really, it's something that, you know, on a regular basis um, we're, we're giving. So this morning I want to really read us a handful of scriptures to kind of give us some framework to build on this morning. Uh, to give you some guidance. Uh, I, would, I would tell you anytime you're confused about what to do, what not to do. And you're, you're finding yourself questioning how to navigate in life, the scripture is is always a great resource uh, for us to tap into. Now, in talking about finances, you may have heard some of this content, but as I prayed, you know, uh, I'm just going to tell you in the realm of finances, there's no secret sauce. There's no hidden like, oh, here's here's a new way I've found, you know, like, a, you know, a magic slim fast in a bottle trick, right? You know, it's not, it's not, they're, they're the tried and true principles that when we practice over and over again with consistency, we will begin to see results. So you may say, well, pastor, that's the same message. That's the same content. Well, the question is, did you apply it since the last time you heard it? Because if we don't apply anything we hear, it's kind of pointless, right? So let's look at these passages of scripture. Um, can we just ask God to open our heart in the realm of our finances? I know that th for some of you, this may be a touchy. So pastor, we can talk about time. Hey, we can talk about, you know, my treasure, my gifts, where I serve. But hey, we don't want to talk about my money or we don't want to talk about where I give. So we really want to have God's heart in this. And I want God to be able to speak to you and us to be able to hear. So can I just pray for you real quick that we'd have open ears and we would know God's heart in the realm of giving. Okay. So father, we thank you for your goodness this morning. And Lord, I pray that father, we would be open to what your word says, that we would be receptive Lord, um, to maybe even just the condition of our heart this morning in the realm of giving in the realm of our treasure. Father, I pray that we would be open to your word and father, we'd be open to be obedient to what you are teaching us and that you're revealing to us in regards to our treasure here on earth. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in this time. And Father, I pray that uh, there would be lives changed because of the guidance that your word gives us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's look at these passages. Luke 12, 33 through 34. It says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. How many of y'all want to do that right now? It's like, oh, what? Sell my possessions and give to the poor. Provi provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fade, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, 
you know, it's talking about generosity, giving, take what you have, give it away. And then, you know, it kind of caught me off guard initially, but it says provide a purse for yourself. That does not mean create a, a way of saving for yourself because it actually ties that into, it says, create a purse that will not wear out a treasure where? In heaven, not here on earth. So, so the whole goal of the Christian is not to die with all of these natural physical resources, but it's making a kingdom investment that transfers our lifetime investment into the kingdom of heaven currency, right? You know, what are we doing? So it says, you know, treasures in heaven that will not fail. And if you're investing in kingdom-minded things, you know, it says, you know, that thieves can't come and destroy and moths destroy. How many of you have a whole lot of stuff in your house? Why do we keep having garage sales? Because we keep accumulating stuff. How many of you have that stuff, like it says, that is being destroyed by moth and dust and sitting around, and I need five of those, and I don't even wear one of those? It's all kinds of stuff, right? So we tend to accumulate a lot of things. You know, we are in a marketing society, right? You watch one TV show, and it's already given you all kinds of advertisements and told you all kinds of things that you need that you can't live without, and uh, every now and then, we take the bait, and we buy one of those, and Sit it on the shelf and they got us, right? We made somebody a millionaire because we, we all took the bait on that. But it says, don't focus on things from here, focus on things for there. But where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So the things we love, the things we're passionate about, the things that have us sometimes have our heart. I want you to hear that. Sometimes the things that we have have our heart, which is that's where our focus and our treasure is. And I would challenge you to not always tie your heart to the things that are tangible, to the things that are temporal, for the things that if they broke, your life would fall apart, right? Uh, I remember when I was younger, I was really, really probably overkill, concerned about my guitars and all of those things, never wanting them to have dings or messed up or anything. You know what I learned? If you're using a guitar, you're going to mess up the guitar. You're going to ding it. You're going to bang it. Uh, It's going to add character. Hopefully you don't destroy it. But uh, you got over that real quick. How many of you have ever had a brand new nice couch that you didn't want your kids jumping on, but you're supposed to sit on it? Right? You know, we, we do these things, and sometimes these things can have us. Uh, you know, one thing that I did, we had our floors redone. And this is when our kids were little bitty. Brand new floors, got them all polished, got them all nice, super neat. Man, I remember the first time Samuel dragged something across the floor, and I'm like, oh, like, what are you doing, son? Don't you know how much? I-? And I'm getting mad because... And then I paused and I said, you know what? I can redo those floors later. But what I'm concerned about is my son being able to be a kid and me chilling out. Maybe I shouldn't have got the floors redone, right? You know, you start thinking through all these things. But sometimes we can be caught by the things that we invest in rather than really enjoying those things for the blessing that they are. So you go to my house right now, oh, there's scuffs, there's bumps, there's bruises, there's dings, there's nicks, chip spots, all kinds of stuff. And one day, Pastor Noah will get that floor redone. But in the meantime, as the kids trample and tear and grit and grind and tear it up, I will enjoy the luxury of my kids being able to be kids, right? And it's less stressful on me. It's less stressful on them. And guess what? We are using that floor, but that floor does not have us. We have that floor. Okay. So just under, but that maybe just give you an example that you have to understand the perspective, you know, anything, you know, that has you has your heart. Okay. So it says, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Second Corinthians nine, six and eight. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Verse seven, each of you should give. Each of you should give. All of us should give. Let me make sure you get that. Each of us should give what you have decided in your heart to give. And here's the instruction, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. So a good attitude, not reluctantly, not under compulsion. Decide what you are to give, but you should give in some degree, to some capacity, in some form or fashion. And verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Okay, I love that passage, but... It's conditional based on our giving, you know, based on how much we give is, you know, a lot of people want to want to reap a whole lot of stuff that they've never sown. Okay. Well, how come they're being blessed? Well, we don't always know what people give or what in proportion to uh, their obedience to God. But I tell you that um, God, God's return is based on the initial investment. What are we giving? What are we doing? Um, you know, but I want to have seed. I want to have stuff in the ground that it can reap a harvest in every area of my life. Okay. Luke 16, 10. 
Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So uh, I know a lot of us, we're ready for that next raise. We're ready for that bonus. We're ready for all of this increase. What have you done with what you already have? Okay. Um, Have you been faithful? Have you been found faithful? And I'm not talking about in comparison to others. Like if God were to be able to see all your finances, which guess what? He can. Uh, will he see you using those for a kingdom initiative, right? Will he see you investing that, that, that money and, and that treasure wisely? Um, or have you been dishonest? Have you not? And, and I think maybe look at a different word, not dishonest, but like not really faithful, not really being very diligent. And, you know, maybe a way to think about it uh, is sloppy with your money. Well, how much do you spend or where does it go or what do you do with it? Man, I have no clue. That's sloppy money spending, right? Um, I tell, you, I tell you what, when we were broke and didn't have much money, we sure paid a lot more attention to where we spend every dime. It tends to be when we make more money, we get a little bit looser because we can, and then really we realize we are wasting more money than we ever would have if we would have had the same level of discipline with when we were making less. Okay, so we always want to be intentional and in looking at those things, all right? Um, so in proportion to what you give, you know, you'll reap with the right attitude. Luke 16, 10, like I said, trust. Uh, can be, you know, is earned. You know, if you've been trusted with little, you can be trusted with much. So just stewardship, faithfulness. And then Proverbs 21, 5 uh, in the Christian Standard Bible, it says, the plans of the diligent certainly lead to profit, but anyone who is reckless certainly becomes poor, right? Uh, People become broke all the time uh, because they spend money recklessly, right? You know, uh, just because you have a lot of money, if you want to keep that money, you want to be smart with that money, right? You can, uh, you can, you can waste it and, and get rid of it really, really quick. How many of you had an income tax return that you went bye-bye faster than it came in? And you're like, if you were to go back and try to wrap your mind around what you used it for, you're like, that's a great question, pastor, right? I think we're sometimes guilty of just really not planning and, and doing all of the things necessary to just really create a, you know, a wealth in this lifetime to be able to be generous and to really multiply what God has given us. So just like our times and our talents are a gift from God, have you ever considered that money is a gift from God also? Okay, we know that time is a gift. We know that our talent is often a gift. Do you see your financial provision and your financial resources as a gift? So what we do with our money or our treasure while here on earth is actually a test from God. It's actually a test. It's probably one of the biggest things that he trusts us with. And, you know, if we really calculate, you know, it's, it's amazing. Like sometimes we don't feel like we make that much money. But do you realize if you add up your money over the lifetime, most of us make over a million dollars? Like, you don't want, you're like, nah, you, you, yeah. Like it went through your hands and it either amounted to something greater. You're like, I got nothing to show brother. Like, you know, I don't know, you know? So we have a lot of resources that, that we are tested with that God has entrusted us with. What will we do with that? One of my favorite quotes by Tony Evans says, God is your source. Everything else is just a resource. Got to know that God is the source, right? So like if we're trying to hold on to money and we're hoping we, you know, God, you know, the, the, the money God becomes our God, right? Where it, well, if I, if I get rid of this money, how am I going to live? Well, God is the source. Everything else is a resource. God does not have limited funds. It's not like he can't get you more money or speak to, you know, I've had people, you know, you said, Hey, God spoke to me and wanted me to give you this. I remember when we did full-time missions, we had people all over the place that we didn't know being obedient, helping us do what God had called us to do. It's the same for each one of us, right? I think sometimes we trust in our own strength because we're creating wealth by our own strength and we're trusting more in what we can do versus what God can do. Because I'll tell you what, that's the difference when I did missionary work where I was trusting God to provide and giving through churches and people. And I'm trusting God for all of it now. Oh, I can work for it now so I can trust in my own strength. Ultimately, our trust and our confidence has to be in God as our source. Right? In every single way. So when we talk about money management, since that's what we're talking about, and this morning I definitely want to give you some practical tips, some helps. Uh, How many of you could use some help in your finances? That's it. Just a few of y'all. I mean, I, know, I, know, I mean, I hope that's the majority of us. I know I need help in my finances. Um, but money management, there's two types of people. There are those who are savers and those who are spenders. How many spenders are in the house? Raise your hand, bold and proud. How many savers are in the house? 
Now, if the husband said savor and the wife said spender, we got some, some conversations that need to happen because that doesn't work real well in a, in a marriage or in a household when one's trying to save and the other one's trying to spend. But um, we have to understand that, you know, saving and spending, having a healthy balance of both are, are really, really important. So financial biblical principles only work when they are applied. So these, these passages of scripture, for them to work, they have to be applied. Just like lifting weights, I can go to the gym and I can look at the weights and say, man, you know, the gym looks like a good idea. But if I want to build muscle, let me tell you what, I got to pick up the weights. I have to do something. Good intentions accomplishes nothing, right? Man, I really want to get better with my finances one day, Pastor. Well, if you want to get better with your finances, you're going to have to put in the work. You're going to have to do something different, or you're going to need to keep doing what you've already been doing to move your finances in the right direction, right? People get really mad at their finances. The finances aren't the problem. You are the problem. What are you doing with those finances, right? Because you have people who are very successful that are making a little bit, and then you have people who are making a lot that are really suffering and having a hard time with their finances. It's not about the finances. It's about the finance manager. Well, God has entrusted each of us as that finance manager over our home, over our household, over our finances, and we have to take ownership of that. But you have to do something. You know, one thing that I asked myself, you know, when we talk about giving to the church and, you know, uh, saving and then spending all of those things, I always had a question why it is so hard for some people to give. Like, why does it always feel like, oh man, like I can't afford to give and it's so hard to give and I don't have the resources to give. And this is actually something I prayed about because I said, Lord, this is a consistent problem. This is not something that, that I see as just like, oh, just this person here and this person. But all, there's a lot of people that have a problem giving. And I prayed and I said, Lord, what is the problem? And the Lord really spoke really clear to me. He said, in order for the 10% or the tithe, you know, which we talk about in Malachi, we'll look at that in just a minute. In order for it to be a blessing to give that 10%, you have to deal with the 90%, right? If you learn to manage and steward the 90% well, then the 10% will be a blessing rather than feeling like a curse because some of you are not managing the 90% and you're all mad at God because it feels like you don't have enough. But let me tell you what, biblically, 10% is to be brought to the house of the Lord, but God gives you and allows you to delegate and do whatever you want with 90%. Don't say it's the 10% that's, that, that well, I can't make it, this 10% is messing me up. No, the 90% is the thing we need to focus on, what we need to give our attention to. Um, and I'm going to probably assume if that's a challenge, we need to focus on managing the 90 a little bit better, Okay. And I just feel like that that's, you know, so God really just said, you know, for it to be a blessing, we have to deal with the 90. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at this, um, understanding that we're to be stewards of all of these things. So Luke six thirty eight it says, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, right? So what is that passage really, really saying? You get what you give. So there's two action words, two movement words, maybe in that passage that says give and use. Give your money, use your money, right? These are proactive things, you know, like, you know, you can't give and not do anything. You can't use your money and not do anything, right? Um, it kind of be like paying for your Big Mac and they're like, okay, that's fourteen ninety five or whatever. And you sit there and you don't do anything. What are you doing? Well, just standing here. For you to use your money, insert debit card, put your PIN number, you know, all you're going to have to do something, right? Use your money or give your money. Remember, we have to be intentional with those things. But the two action words is to give and to use. Um, in the Bible, money and possessions, do you understand it is the second most referenced topic in the Bible? There's actually 800 times that it's mentioned finances and giving and all of these things. And I, I know a lot of people kind of have a vendetta about talking about finances, but I, as a pastor, I commit to talk about finances once per year. I don't sit there and say, okay, give, 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 give. We're, we have a lot of givers in this church, but to me, it's bigger than giving. And it's more focused on you being financially successful. That's why we're talking about it. Right. We're okay. Like, I mean, we're doing good, you know, with or without your tithe, but for you to step into this kingdom blessing, there is a tithe that is required, and we're going to look at that in just a moment because uh, when we want, when we want to, so, so pastor, what do I do? Give me some practical things. I understand I'm in a financial bind. I don't know what to do. Give me some things I can walk away. I'm glad you asked. There's a formula that I practice diligently to set my finances up for success, and it flows in this way. First, I'm going to give, then I'm going to save, 
and then I'm going to spend. Okay? Well, how much do you give? How much do you save? And how much do you spend? Man, I'm glad you asked. I give 10%, I save 10%, and then I strive to live off of that 80. Doesn't always work. Sometimes I got to dip into that 10% savings, but this is a tried and true plan. If you will give 10%, if you will save 10%, and you will learn to live off of those 80, it will delegate your money, designate your money in a way that will set you up for success. Now, you have to also understand, we need to do it and follow it in that pattern. Why do I give to God first? I'm trusting in him first, right? I don't say, well, Lord, at the end of the month, we'll see if you've been good and then I'll give. You do that, you'll never have enough because there is a commanded blessing on those who give. There's a commanded blessing on those who use, who give their money, who designate that money to the Lord first. And then a lot of times, you know, what does savings do? That's giving to me. That's, that's kind of building a safety net for myself because when something hits the fan, anybody ever had something hit the fan and all of a sudden you got to write a big check? If it ain't happened to you, it's going to happen. If you say it's never happened, you're lying, okay? It happens to everybody. Go buy a set of four new tires. Whoa, I ain't got that kind of money, pastor, right? It's expensive. Everything's expensive, right? So it's going to happen. So we want to follow that pattern, prioritize our finances in a way that honors God. So 10% uh, giving, 10% saving, 80% um, spending on all of the other things. But give God that 10% first. So let's talk about giving just for a minute. Um, God blesses and covers the rest when we give 10% first. Uh, it's a commanded blessing. It's kind of pulling from the top of the barrel versus the bottom of the barrel. Uh, don't wait till the end of the month. This kind of kills the faith dynamic because if you know that there's enough at the end of the month and then you give, that required very little faith. But those of you maybe who are struggling paycheck to paycheck, how many of you know it would be a challenge if you're not a tither, but guess what? It's still a challenge if you are a tither to write that check and to trust God for that provision. But he commands the blessing on the rest. And I'm telling you, it is better to have only 90% left but blessed than 100% cursed. Because when we read that scripture, that is the commanded blessing. The commanded blessing is when we give, he blesses and he, he removes the devourer. He, he, he commands his blessing in our finances. Now, I have a, 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 you've had some people kind of challenge me on like, I don't believe God curses you. He doesn't curse you, I think, across the board. But I believe that, he, that there is a curse that comes across your finances. Right? Because as a child of God, you know, I may, not, I may be walking in a measure of faith and not really have a full grasp on giving. But I'll tell you what, there is a commanded blessing on finances. But according to Malachi, he uses the word curse. I didn't pick the word in the Bible. It's the word that he uses. But he commands a blessing. Or, you know, but he uses that word. He says, if you rob from me. Okay? So how many of you know if you come and you take something from my house that is mine that you don't have permission to take, that is what? Robbing. Right? So we have to understand that 10%, God says, is mine. So we give that 10%. In Malachi, it says, bring the whole tithe. And, if that, if, and a tithe is 10% of all of our increase. You know, I'm covering a lot of stuff here. So I want to keep moving to get to a few more practical things. But 10% of all of our increase. What if I get a bonus, Pastor? 10% of all your increase. What about if I get a raise? 10% of all your increase. What if I make minimum wage? 10% of all your increase. Here's what I've learned in giving throughout my lifetime. Um, 10% is just enough that it requires faith, but not enough to cripple you. But it's enough that if you're making enough money, hurts a little bit. Right? When I was making minimum wage, it didn't hurt that much because like, here you go, Lord, it's all I'm making. But add a zero to that or start making more money and raises and all of those things. And it becomes more what? Sacrificial. Becomes more costly. And don't allow the enemy to, to, to lie to you and make you think that what is his is yours. But it says, bring the whole tithe. So there's two categories of people. There are givers and tithers that they say, I can't afford not to give. But then there's others who aren't, aren't faithful tithers or givers. And they say, I can't afford to give. Now, let me tell you what. You cannot afford not to tithe. If I can give you some good counsel, if you've never tithed, trust God in that. Start doing it. See, if, see what happens in the realm of your finances. Um, because what else are you going to do? You're going to say, well, I'm just going to keep trying what I'm trying. If what you're doing ain't working, try to abide by the rules. Do what God says. Give him that. Be faithful to giving to him first and see what he does with the rest. Okay. Um, 
At Malachi 3.10, it says, you know, the, the bring, it says, you rob me in tithes and offerings. It says, if you do this, see if I will not throw open the windows of the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Um, how many would take some of that in Jesus' name? Like, that's what I want, but it's conditional. Go check out Malachi 3 and read that for yourself. So now that you've understand this giving thing, giving to God first, now what? So we give 10% and now we save 10%. So why do we, how do we get to a place of where it's a blessing to, 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 to give? And then, Lord, Pastor, you're telling me, like, give 10 and now save 10%? I can't even make it. Here's what I would challenge you to do in the realm of saving. Just start where you're at. You know, um, I'd rather rob from myself than rob from God. If I can only save 1%, I'd rather save 1% than no percent. Uh, I know a lot of people get really discouraged about not putting away a lot of money. It's like, well, I only have 50 bucks per month to give, you know, to put aside. But do you realize if you do that every single month, uh, you'll have 600 bucks at the end of the year. We are like, well, that's not that much. Well, then give me 600 bucks a day because that's not that much. It's 600 more than you had, okay? So double that. Six, you know, instead of 50, let's do 100. Now we got $1,200 in the bank. Pastor, you think I can have 1200 in the bank? Well, if you save $100 every month, right? But it requires you to do something to be diligent. But giving to yourself, start where you're at. Um, but you can't give and save if you're using your money recklessly, um, because you won't have a lot to, to have that's really going to be left over. So managing money requires discipline and consistency. Um, here's one thing that I've done. I know a lot of times we, we hear that 10% and we say, okay, God, 10% is yours, 90 is mine. I've learned that even me on my best days trying to manage that 90%, I don't always know what to do and I don't manage it well. What I've started doing is say, Lord, I want to see every single bit of my finances as yours. Show me how to manage it well. Show me how to spend it well. Show me how to use that money and to give that money according to your purposes and your plan that I may live a prosperous life, right? Uh, we don't, we don't want to... <laughs> We don't want to be poor and impoverished because of our own demise, right? We want to cooperate with what God ha has asked us and is leading us to do, okay? So one of the biggest problems of growing financial wealth is excessive debt, okay? Debt works like a hole in the bucket, right? So if I'm walking around with my bucket and I'm all excited, but I got a hole in the bucket, how many of you know it's going to be really, really hard to fill that bucket up? Almost impossible. You say, well, maybe I'll put more money in there. Maybe I'll keep going, but inevitably, what's the, what's the fix? Fix the hole in the bucket. Eliminate the debt. Remove the debt from your life so that the money you get put in the bucket stays in the bucket, okay? Now, most of the time, um, debt, sometimes debt is a choice. Sometimes there's an accident. There's something that happens. There's a life-changing, life, you know, cost that it changes the whole variable where we, we kind of jump into debt, uh, college debt. There's a lot of different debts, but guess what? If you, if, if you chose it or didn't choose it, the debt is still your responsibility. Would probably be the best way to explain that to you. Uh, I live by this, guys. This is not something that I'm just like, hey, it's a good idea, you know, if you do it, but I don't do it. Right at, at this moment, right now, my wife and I are 100% debt free. We own everything. You know, I would be super bummed if my truck, a tree fell on my truck right now, but it has full coverage, it's paid for, and, you know, hopefully they'd give me something comparable to it. But, you know, if it's break, like, you know, how many of you got a new truck and stuff starts messing up? Man, it's frustrating, right? You're still paying on it? Well, guess what? If I need to make a repair on it, I don't have payments on that truck, so if I need to make one payment's worth of a repair, I'm okay with that because there's no payments because we own the truck, we own the vehicle, we own the house. So all of these things where it's like, I'm paying on it and my taxes are due and all of it. You know, I understand I'm living life too. There is a way to do it, but it's diligent work and it's just a continual process at working through those things. But the only way to get out of debt and to stay out of debt is through the vein of saving. Okay. Saving is the tool. It's the safety net. Um, that's the only way to get out because when something happens, how are you going to pay for it? If you don't have the cash and you don't have a savings account available for an emergency, now let me tell you, you better designate what an emergency is before you, you know, before you start spending that money. It is not for a brand new boat. It's not because, oh, we really want to have a good Christmas this year. That is not what emergency savings is for. Emergency savings is an emergency. So I'd say if your husband and wife in here, sit down before that emergency hits and designate what it is, what it isn't, why, why you would pull that money and why you would not touch that money. Um, 
So let, let me give you a little reminder of, of how you should see debt. Understand that the word devil and debt both start with the letter D, and both of them have a goal to kill, steal, and destroy from you. I'm just telling you, you know, uh, you do not want to play with debt. Uh, man, if, if you're in debt up to your eyeballs, I'm praying that God helps you and gives you wisdom and direction where you would not be there for the rest of your life. Don't embrace debt. I feel like that that's, a, that's really just a, a plan of the enemy to rob from you. Um, I think there's more that God has in store. So if you don't get your debt under control, you'll never really be able to enjoy that spending freely like God wants you to. Um, Proverbs 22, 7, it says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant or slave to the lender. So don't be a slave to the lender. As long as you owe somebody money by, by a biblical term, you are a slave to the lender. Um, but those who save, those who accrue wealth, uh, they become the lender, not the borrower. And that's kind of a fun place to be when you're like, hey, well, how much do you need? And I'll charge you interest. And all of a sudden, I'm in control of it rather than you just saying, well, got to pay my bills, got to pay back that loan. Um, one big thing uh, is count the cost of what you're purchasing. You know, I'm a guy that when I buy something and they're like, oh, this many payments per month for the next 30 years, do the math. When you bought the house twice or you bought the vehicle twice because of the interest rate, even though the payments were low, but you, you signed up for a seven year, eight year. I don't even know how many years they have on cars, but I think it's around seven. Uh, but do the math. How do you figure that out? Figure out what your payments are. Multiply it times 12 times the number of year. It'll give you the total you pay for the car. You'll be real mad because some of you are paying over $100,000 for a car. I don't like doing that. When, I'm, when I do that, I'm going to go to this used car dealership and go look over here because I can pay cash for this versus make payments over here because of I have money maybe saved. Um, for emergency, but I'm also not just saving for emergencies because emergencies don't happen all the time. I'm also saving for big financial investments or purchasing something nice or whatever it is. Savings can be a tool not just for emergencies, but for paying cash for things, okay? It, it, work, it works both ways for us, okay? Um, so how do you accrue a lot of savings or how do you save money um, over the long haul? 1 Corinthians 16.2 in the New Living Translation says, On the first day of each week, you should set aside a portion of your money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and try, then try to collect it all. So this was a, a model in a way that they were trying to help the Christians in Jerusalem who were suffering from poverty and needed a lot of help. But the key to accumulating a lot of money was just putting money away often. Right? Get it out of the account. You know, I, I know uh, some of us use debit cards all the time. Maybe you should withdraw cash, put it in an envelope, and put it out of sight, out of mind. I know for my savings, it's in the com my, my emergency savings in a completely different account. It's in a money market. The only way I can get to it is by writing a check. Now I have the check. I can transfer it back to my account, but it's not just, oh, well, I'll just borrow some money real quick from there. It's not that easy. But if I have an emergency, I can write a check access that savings, and then I can pay for the emergency. But how we do this is a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. Start where you're at. Now, some of y'all are real mad. You're like, Pastor, I can't do nothing. I promise you you can save $10 a month. I promise you that. You can save $10. We're like, well, if you can save 10, maybe you can save 20. And if you can save 20, maybe you can save 50. If you can save 50, maybe you can save 100. You can start somewhere. Don't supersize the fry. I don't know. Do something. To where you start saving something because you're going to come into a hard time and you're going to be mad. You're like, woe is me. Why do I not have what I need? Because we didn't save. Why do we want to pay all that extra money in interest when we can save and pay cash? Okay. Um, I would say a lot of the things that we should pay cash for, and this is my personal opinion, maybe everything except your home. And if you can pay cash for all of the other things, you're going to be in good shape. Right, a house is a pretty significant invest, uh, investment. Usually takes some time, um, but just some thoughts on there. But keep your savings out of out, out of out of reach. Money market separate savings. Uh, figure out what emergencies are. Now, professionals recommend three months of savings. Okay, emergency savings need to be a minimum of three months. This, I think the statistics actually have went up towards like more like six months. You're like, Pastor, that's a lot of money. Yeah, that's why you need to start saving. Right? Because if something happened right now, you know, how, you know how comforting it is when you have an emergency savings? You're like, man, if be okay. You know, like it really removes all the pressure, like, oh no, what if? You know, because you've, you've been diligent. Um, I would challenge you in, in what I've learned um, save the most when it's good, not when it's bad. 
Like right now, you may be in a good financial place, and you're like, ooh, I'm living it up. Well, live it up, but save it up too, right? Uh, don't, because it's almost impossible when we get to a slump or we get to a hard spot financially to save a lot. Okay, but be, be proactive, think ahead, um, be thinking about those things. Pay off is, now, if you have a lot of debt and you're paying off debt, it will probably slow up the process of saving. So that's okay, but keep paying off that debt because as soon as you pay off that debt, now that debt, can, you can go to start paying yourself and it can kind of snowball and speed up that process of savings, right? So we kind of want to tackle debt and savings at the same time. Don't wait till all your debt's paid off to start saving because in the meantime, you may have something that you need money for and the plan is not, well, let's just put more on the credit card because guess what? That just digs a deeper hole. Uh, it's not really sustainable and in the end, it's going to really... Bloop, bloop, bloop to the bottom of the ocean. It's not really a, a thing. But understand, debt is not your friend. It can destroy you. Saving is the tool to get out of debt and to stay out of debt and to pay for those things maybe that are emergencies that aren't planned. Um, be intentional. It's not going to save itself. You, you manage your money and, and make sure that you're saving it well. So we want to give. We want to save. And now to the fun part, but it's sometimes the most challenging, the spending. I'll try to go through this quickly. Um, but spending habits often are a byproduct of where we're at. You know, we might get mad and say, well, like, I don't know how I got here. Well, I know how you got there. You got there, right? You, you bought things, you purchased things, you know, um, you, you know, either in a good spot or a bad spot, you know, not because of what you made, but maybe because of how you spent it. Um, I think we got to take ownership of that. You know, are we, are we okay with that? Taking ownership of where we're at, not being mad at our boss or not making enough. Like, who cares what you make? Be diligent with what you make. Right? He says, if you can be trusted with a little bit, you know, like if you can't manage a little bit well, you're not going to manage millions well. Just think about that. You can't do that because you got to be faithful with a little if you're going to be faithful with a lot. So just understand. So in that, in the realm of spending, um, you know, we, we really need to be diligent and pay attention to where we're spending our money. Understand this. Just because you can afford something doesn't always mean you should buy it. Well, I can afford it, Pastor. Don't always buy it. How many of you uh, messed up that rule? Black Friday shopping. You're like, I don't need that, but man, it's a good price. <laughs> uh, you know, Amazon, what are blowing me up? So all kinds of stuff. I was like, man, I really think I need one of those. Luckily, I thought about it for a little. I didn't really need one of those, right? Uh, just because, you, you know, uh, when you generate wealth and you get to a place, you have to understand when you do the rules and you start doing all of the things that, you know, allow us to create wealth, there are a lot of things that you can afford. You purchase everything that you can afford, then you won't be able to afford those anymore. <laughs> you go broke, right? You want, just because you can doesn't mean that you should, okay? So, but there's a balance, you know, I want you to get to the place, because we're talking about spending, right? But, you know, if we've given to God the 10%, if we've saved 10%, if we've gotten out of debt, and we've gotten to that place of where we've really accrued an emergency savings, now it gets fun, because guess what? Now we're buying the stuff that, like, we dreamed about buying, and we're saving, and we're purchasing these things, and man, we're, we're, I feel like it's like that place of, like, we're living the life now, right? You know, but it takes discipline, but our spending is where we either stay on track or we begin to derail because um, this is where we're, we're managing 80% of our resources. 80%. That's a big, significant amount. Um, so if you don't know how you spend your money or where you spend your money, track every expense for one month and then you'll figure out where you spend your money. Now, most of you know where you spend your money and you don't want to expense it because then you'll know and everybody else will know. Um, I know in the Kano household, we eat a bunch of our paycheck. Drives me nuts. But what it does, it chills us out from going out to eat so much. Trying to be a little bit more, uh, you know, purchase savvy at the grocery store. Thinking ahead, like, you know, going out to eat every day. I mean, uh, maybe if you're single, it might be equivalent. But for a family, man, it's expensive. You know, so hundreds of dollars, you know. So looking at where are you spending that? But maybe you go through Speedy Stop every day and you can't walk by because you're going to get a churro or you're going to get a burrito or you're going to get the 99 cent slushy. But all of that can add up over the course of the month. And if you're spending hundreds of dollars in an area, they're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize Starbucks would make me broke. Right. It can be anything. But if you don't know where you're spending your money, that's where you start. Itemize everything for one full month and then look at it, evaluate it, and you'll figure out the holes in the bucket or where it's leaking out or where you're spending all of your resources, okay? Um, if, you're, if, you're, if you're married in the room, get on the same page and get two little notepads. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Write down every expense, okay? And then at the end of the month, you'll know what it is. Um, 
you know, having money, more money is not always the answer to financial issues. Sometimes we get caught in the trap of chasing after money, the love of money. First Timothy 6.10, it says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So they've actually abandoned the faith because of a love of money and they've pierced themselves with grief. You know, the best way I kind of look at this, like, you know, did you ever purchase something you wish you wouldn't have purchased, but now you purchased it and you owe the bank or you owe the whoever. And you're like, oh no, anybody ever done that? And you're like, man, I really liked it though. But you didn't think about it. Like, I think sometimes we pierce ourselves with those types of debt or those things that we're purchasing or whatever. Um, let see what else I want to share. Um, so if you're going to be successful in your finances as a couple, you have to have the same financial goals. Um, now, I know I joked about savers and spenders. That's a big deal. Uh, but if both of you are savers, oh, man, you can save a lot of money really, really quick. If both of you are spenders, man, give somebody else your credit cards. I don't know. Give them your debit cards. Get some accountability. Like, uh, I don't know. Put limits on your credit. There's a bunch of things you can do. Don't have credit cards if you can't trust yourself. I don't know. Um, I'm not opposed to credit cards. Uh, I have credit cards, but I have a rule. I don't put on anything on a credit card. I can't pay in full at the end of the month. I don't put it on credit card because I don't get it at the end of the day and say, oh, I can't make it. Let me put it on the credit card. That's not what I do. I put it on the credit card when I can already afford it. It's just way convenient to put it on the credit card. I don't use it as a line of credit to give me more money monthly. That's not a good equation for financial success. That's how to kind of build yourself into debt. So I hope you know that. I mean, I'm, ser- I'm sharing a lot of basic stuff because sometimes you're like, man, I just ne- I never thought about that. Or, man, that's what I'm doing, man. Tell me more. Because I don't want you to get sucked in the trap of, of the, the commerce society and all, all of the things that they want you to do to, to create wealth for themselves. We want to be wealthy people. We want to be financially well off. Um, Let me just share just kind of a quick testimony of how Becky and I got to where we are. And then I'm going to give you six quick practical ways to break free in your finances. And then I'm going to challenge you. Um, When I married Becky, I married into a little bit of college debt. I was debt free before I got married. But guess what? When you marry somebody, you marry in, right? It's not like, well, you handle that, baby. That was your debt. That ain't my debt. No, it became our debt. But at the same time, just because we had that debt didn't mean that we couldn't start working on it. Then we purchased a home and we did a few different things. We had kiddos and all of those things. All of these are costly things, right? How many of you know it ain't free nowadays to have no babies? You know, you want good health care, it's going to cost you money to do it, you know. Uh, but we were in debt and we committed to get out of debt. And we did some radical things. Um, you know, in, over the course of three years, I think we paid off school loans, set up an emergency debt. And it probably took a little bit more, like probably six or seven years to pay off our home. But we got a foreclosed home, got a great deal. We put a lot of money in it, but we put money in it as we had the money. We were like, hey, let's just take out loans and pay three. T-. You know, like we did it as we went. Intentional steps. Was it my dream house when I moved in? Oh, no. But the price tag was right because we had a plan to get out of debt, to stay out of debt. Um, So what did we do? We took our income tax money, the whole thing, and threw it towards debt. How many of you know that ain't fun? Wait all year to get an income tax return, to pay off debt, to get further ahead, to establish an emergency savings. We committed to do all of these things for a few years. And we started eliminating that debt. Man, I remember, man, it was so awesome, man. We wrote that last check for the school loan. Like that was our first, like, we're winning at adults, right? We were so excited about it. You know, then, you know, kiddos and purchasing our home. And man, I remember the feeling of writing that last check to pay my home off. And we got to a place of debt free. In that time, you know, we bought what I call budget friendly cars. You know, we were blessed to get them. We were blessed to get rid of them. And God has just provided And all along. You know, why, why does it matter, Pastor? Why are you telling me this? Because it just, it's not just about bragging about being debt free. It has enabled us to be a blessing to others. You know, when I started pastoring here, I left STP. I was out there for seven and a half years and I took a significant pay cut. You know why I could do that? Because I was debt free. I was in debt up to my eyeballs. I would have been stuck and I couldn't have left. And I would have told God, I can't leave because I need to make this amount of money. And da 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 da. And you know, we do that to ourselves. We get stuck because of our lack of discipline. 
But because of that obedience, and, and check this out, when, and I purchased my truck, we paid that truck off in maybe a year. But that's when everybody, they wanted, you know them stimulus checks? They stimulated my payoff plan for that truck. Because every time I got one, guess what I did? I put it towards the truck. I was putting crazy money towards it every month. And we worked and worked and worked and worked. I want to say it was a year. That's discipline, though. But how can I do that? Because we were debt-free before we got the truck. When you're in debt and you have all, these, all this money is going out, you don't have that money to be able to do those things that quickly. So am I encouraging? I'm, ho- I'm hoping I'm challenging some of you that there's hope at the other side, but you got to put in the work. you got to do something. But with God, it's possible. So we want to give to God because that just says, Lord, I trust you. I don't know what I'm doing with my finances, but I know you know what to do with my finances. Lord, I'm going to give you 10% first. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to be faithful with that. Lord, I'm going to start saving where I'm at. I'm going to try to start eliminating debt. But here's what you got to do. You got to say, Lord, I give you all of my resources. I give you all of my finances. Because either you're doing really, really well right now, or you're doing really, really poor right now. But regardless, it's if you've done really well or you're really on a rough spot, God wants to take and help all of those things. Okay? So here's six ways to break free in your finances. Follow the principle of give, save, and spend. Make a budget, number two, if you've never done that. Make a budget. How much is going out? How much is coming in? Itemize every single expense. Know where your money's going. Um, Number three, become united in your financial goals. If you're married, same goal, same account, same discipline. Not my money, your money, his money, her money. It's all of your money. Put it together. Compile those resources. Tackle those, that, those debts. Uh, put, get those savings accounts up, all of those things. This is super simple, but maybe you need to hear it. Don't spend more than you make. Sounds like common sense, right? But if we are spending more than we are making, we will inevitably go into debt. Um, submit all of your finances to God. Give God 100%, not just 10%. I'm not saying write the whole check, but trusting God with that 10%. Ask God for wisdom in your spending. And then work hard and stay disciplined. Proverbs 24, 33 through 44 says, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of your hands, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. So do your part and and let the Lord do his. Um, We have to see money as something that we are stewarding for God. Um, if we see it as his and not mine, how many of you know that we tend to spend it a little more wisely? I know when I'm like, man, like this is God's money. What do I do with it? It changes my perspective. Um, we want to be smart in the realm of our treasure and our finances because it allows us to really become kingdom builders. Um, I want to remind you, don't wait to get all your finances in place to begin to give radically, to begin to give in obedience to how God leads you because I believe that it's in the obedience that God multiplies the miracle. Man, I tell you, it's been amazing in my life when God says, hey, I want you to take care of that because I don't want you living in debt. I'm like, man, that's a huge sacrifice. And then you just begin to see multiplication. Multiplication is like, man, like Money's coming from everywhere, but it's easy to say, ooh, I want to do that, or I want to do this, but remember the goal. Remember the mission. Be disciplined now so that you can live a little freer in the future, right? Um, Can you stand up with me? So here's what I want us to do. I hope, you know, you guys showed up today. Commit to trust God with your finances. I hope that you can do that. I, I don't know where your finances are at. Uh, really, I don't really, if, I, if, I really, if I'm really honest with you and I look around this room, I don't know who gives and who doesn't. I don't, I don't handle the books in a way that I'm like, oh, okay. James, he's like $3 signs. Robert, he's like a dollar sign and a half. You know, this big guy right here, he's a five, $5 sign guy, right? You know, I, I don't do that. I don't care to do that. Because I want you to be obedient and I want you to be free. And if you're not a giver in this house, I don't want you to feel like, oh man, he's talking about, I don't know if you give or don't, but guess what God does. God knows where your heart is today. But what I want you to do, I want you to commit to trust God with your finances. Look in the scripture, see if this 10% is worth it or not. See what the Bible says. Don't just do it because I said, read it, look in Malachi and see, see if you agree with it. And if you do, do it. If you don't, then ask God to work it out. Like say, Lord, well, what do I do then? Because you still need help in your finances. Amen? It doesn't matter. 
So commit your finances to God. Um, find one thing that you can do from this message to apply to your finances. One thing. That's it. Cut the credit cards. I mean, quit going out to eat like 15 times a week. I don't know. Ta- change one thing. And begin to use those resources to tackle debt, to tackle savings, or just to be a kingdom-minded investor in the kingdom. So find one thing that you can work on from this message. Start tithing. I'm just going to tell you that. Maybe you just never had anybody tell you that. Start tithing. You can't survive without tithing. We've always been a tither. And then commit to become a kingdom builder now. Don't wait till you have all the resources and you feel comfortable to start contributing kingdom work. Be obedient to what God wants you to do now, all right? I'm sorry that was so, so long. Hopefully it was helpful. Hopefully there's something you can take away from it, something that kind of maybe the Lord really showed you in that, that God willing will make a life-changing impact in the realm of your finances. Can I pray for you? Lord, I know we all deal with finances Maybe we feel like, Lord, that some do it way better than us. But, Father, we can guide, be, be guided by you in the realm of our finances. So, Father, we just choose today to trust you. Can you just say that? Say, Lord, I trust you with my finances. If you're not a tither and the Lord's convicting you of the tithe, just say, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm going to fix that. You know, don't avoid it. Don't, you know, run from it. Just deal with it. Apologize and get it right. If there's been areas of reckless living, you know, ask the Lord just to help you deal with those things, to focus those things in a way that creates the kind of life that he wants you to have. But Father, I ask that there would just be a supernatural provision of financial resources on this church, on these families, and in the lives of individuals. Father, I pray for just promotions for resources, for finances, Lord. And Father, that when they happen and when we see that our, that, you've been, that the, our finances have multiplied, that we would give you honor. Father, that we would thank you for what you're doing, sometimes seen, sometimes unseen, but that we would trust you in those. Lord, I thank you that we're gonna be a people that can give on purpose because we've been good stewards of our time. We've been good stewards of our talent. And Father, we have been good stewards of our treasure. So Father, as we move into this holiday season and there's a lot of giving and spending and all those things, Father, I pray that we would be maybe a a little more disciplined than we ever have. That we might do all of the things that are in your heart. And Father, we thank you for all of the provision, all of the um, just protection over our resources and our families and all of those things, Lord, that we trust you for. And Father, as we go from this place, God, I ask that you would go with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like to know more about our family, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash HTC Bay City or find us on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.